Good morning. My name is Barb Trader, and I've been a member of UUCF for about two years. This is the first church of any kind I've belonged to in my adult life. And I can say that I'm happy to share that you've really exceeded my expectations. I'm so very grateful for this community. A few of you know I've spent the last month on a road trip to California to help my daughter move. And along the way, I've enjoyed some of our most iconic national parks. My husband Mark and I love to hike, and we're just about finished with one in Rocky Mountain National Park last week when around the corner we came upon a moose, not just one but four cows, feeding alongside of the trail about, I don't know, 20 yards ahead of us. It was so magical watching them go about their business taking their sweet time. This was just one more reminder for me that heart-stopping awe is so possible almost every time I step back into nature. I've always loved being outside, especially the woods. I grew up in the country, so I grew up playing outside. I had secret hideouts and forts, in all kinds of outside spaces where I could be alone or explore. Necessary spaces when you grow up with four siblings, especially in uh, cold Wisconsin winters. I felt like myself outside. As John Muir once said, into the woods I go to lose my mind and find my soul. I can tell I'm not alone in this crowd. A religious organization that has a seventh principle such as ours understands the critical interconnectedness and importance of the natural world to our lives. So it's devastating to me to witness our beautiful earth hurting so much right now, especially knowing it comes from human action. It's dumbfounding that people would hurt our natural world for profit. Some of you may remember 50 years ago this summer seeing what I saw, the Cuyahoga River bursting into flame in the middle of Cleveland. That vision on TV is still impressed upon my brain. I cannot unsee it. It has been referred to as the disaster that ignited an environmental revolution and was the catalyst for creation of federal and state environmental protection agencies. So how ironic is it that after 50 years of increasing environmental stewardship, we find ourselves in this crazy place where the EPA is only protecting industry interests and the science we need is being suppressed by our own government. This is really the culmination of a decades-long misinformation campaign funded by the fossil fuel industry, who knew all along they were ruining the Earth. In fact, Exxon scientists are so good at what they do that when they calculated the impact of fossil fuels on planetary health, they estimated that carbon would be in the atmosphere and it would hit 400 parts per million one month shy of when it did 
And they predicted that 50 years before it happened. So they knew what, they, what was happening. They knew they were making it worse, and they lied to us. And lest you are too comfortable, scientists tell us we will experience increasingly dangerous events here in Frederick County in the near future. More periods of drought, more frequent and intense storms, hotter temperatures, and the associated health and safety risks that come with these changes. We can expect an increase in climate refugees here, an increased difficulty accessing food and clean water, and increasingly serious disease. What is coming is so serious that climate scientists are stockpiling food for their own families. These things and much more are predicted. If you've been paying attention to climate news, you'll know that the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change warned that, glo- warned that globally we have until 2030 to cut our greenhouse gas emissions in half. Apparently, that may be overly optimistic. Just this week, a climate scientist predicted that we really have just 18 months till the end of 2020 to cap out on greenhouse gas emissions. And from then on, we must slash emissions drastically in order for the generations after us to have a chance at a livable planet. So here we are. We are in the middle of an emergency we did not create. Indeed, many of us have tried to confront. And we have leaders who are actively sabotaging our futures. If you know who Greta Thunberg is, you may have seen her on YouTube and around, you may recognize the title I chose for this talk. Greta famously closed a speech with this. She's 16 years old, remember. I don't want you to feel hopeful. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. I am right there with her. There is so much to panic about. But what I think she was getting at is the desperate need for action and for everyone to act. That said, probably just like you, I'm much more motivated by hope than panic, and there is so much good news. If you've been reading the paper this week, you've seen some of it. Kids in Frederick Frederick County Schools are well on their way to operating the first countywide school lunch composting program in the country. Since food waste is a main source of methane in landfills, and since methane is three times more potent as a greenhouse gas than fossil fuels, this is a really big deal. Hopefully other school districts will follow their lead. Imagine if everyone composted their food waste and reduced food waste overall. Frederick County has built a solar array on top of the county landfill, which is not all we need, but it sure is a good start. Maryland passed the Clean Energy Jobs Act just this year, setting a goal for electricity to be sourced from 100% renewable energy by 2040. Better yet, we, you and I, 
have the power of our checkbooks to speed this up exponentially. Neighborhood solar is now a thing, and we can sign up for it and power our own homes. Or we can contact Potomac Edison and just ask them to switch us to solar or wind energy. In the United States, 132 cities have committed to transitioning to 100% clean energy by 2050 or earlier, a number which represents 25% of the U.S. population. So we're on the right track. Imagine if all of us powered our homes and our cars through either solar or wind-generated energy. There are also important way, uh, efforts underway to restore the natural world's capacity for drawing carbon back out of the atmosphere and into plants and soil where it belongs. For example, a few weeks ago, volunteers in Ethiopia planted over 353 million trees. Who saw that in the news? That is just remarkable. They did that in 12 hours. There is good news in agriculture, too, which is especially appealing to me as a farmer's daughter. We know that intensive agriculture practices, such as using chemicals, plowing, and planting the same few crops over and over again, which is a lot of the farming that we see in Frederick County, this kills off healthy soil biology. Not only can worn-out soil easily turn into deserts, as in parts of the American West, it can no longer grow healthy food, draw down carbon, or hold water, as we've seen in the flooded Midwest or right here in Frederick County. The good news is, in many states, they've either introduced or passed healthy soils legislation and are actively improving soil health through practices collectively known as regenerative agriculture. If you choose to learn more about this, I recommend two just great films. One is on YouTube called 100,000 Beating Hearts. And a second is The Biggest Little Farm, which is a new documentary. So it's catching on. Imagine if all of us purchased our food from farmers regenerating their soil. Another exciting development is the groundswell of effective and growing youth advocacy movements around the world, inspired by Greta Thunberg of Sweden and 350.org activists in this country. These groups are coming to Washington, D.C. and other cities around the United States on September 20th for a climate strike. I hope we actively support this strike, all of us by going and encouraging your kids to go, too. To act with the urgency we need, we have just got to stop hoping for a savior. There is no magic bullet. We are the planet's saviors, just like the crowd chanting this week in Dayton at yet another mass shooting vigil. I want us all to do something I want each of us to up our game, we who have resources, comfortable homes, and lives and time. We need to act. We don't need to change the minds of climate deniers. 
We need to get the people who know what's happening to act. It's been 50 years since NASA scientist Jim Hansen warned Congress about a warming globe. As righteous as it seems to blame the current irresponsible and immoral administration, ignoring this problem didn't start with them. So here's my point. What happens to the future of this planet is about power. Who has it and who is motivated to use it? That will determine the future of our planet. And I believe we have the power to change our trajectory. For example, we have the power to speak out. According to Catherine Hayhoe, a renowned climate scientist and an evangelical Christian and a Texan, it's really important to talk about the climate crisis. She explains it this way. When I speak to people, it's not a case of needing new values. It's a case of getting to know people. It's a very rare human being who does not already have a key value or part of their identity that, de- that does not connect directly to concern over climate change. I think she's right. We have a responsibility to speak out about the climate crisis as a moral responsibility to act. Every other social justice movement we care about, poverty, immigration, racism, violence, human health, and world peace, these will all be made much more challenging as the climate changes. We have the unique ability to get out of our heads and into our hearts as we appeal to our communities as caring people. We have the power to change our daily habits. If we are going to survive this crisis, you and I, we have to live live differently. We have to walk more gently on the earth. Households in the United States emit an average of 21.5 metric tons of carbon per year versus the global average of 4.5 metric tons. In other words, the U.S. households emit about five times more than the global average and far more than any other country. To restore planetary health, our target should be more like three metric tons per household. As people who have joined a covenant to protect the interdependent web of life, you use have a special responsibility to act. If every person did all we can to change our own habits to confront the climate crisis, we'd make about 30 to 40 percent of the progress that we needed. So yeah, changing our habits really does matter. Changing our habits is also important because it's a strategic action. If you can tell an elected official that you've done all you can and it's their responsibility to act, I think that's powerful. Second, it gets you out of hopelessness and into action. It feels so much better to do something. Finally, I think it can be the catalyst for tipping the scales. When we make changes, I suspect our friends and family notice and at least think about their own habits. 
Your changed behavior will help create a tipping point to cause a societal shift that we desperately need. As Malcolm Gladwell describes in his book by the same name, the tipping point is that magic moment when an idea, a trend, or a social behavior crosses a threshold, tips, and spreads like wildfire. I think we can be part of tipping those scales. In my own life, I draw inspiration from climate scientists, the men and the women on the front lines. I can tell you this, they are not the ones saying that our personal habits don't matter. They emphasize how important it is for us to change our lifestyles as they are in three main areas. First, to reduce or eliminate meat in our diets. Animal agriculture is an enormous producer of greenhouse gases, harms soil, and is a catalyst for massive deforestation. If you must eat meat, limit your servings to two to three per week and make every effort to buy meat from farmers who are practicing regenerative agriculture. The Savory Institute has resources that can help you make these choices. Second, conserve energy in your home and switch to renewable sources. It's easy to switch just by calling Potomac Edison or whoever your power company is or investigate community solar, as I said earlier. We need to limit fossil fuel driving and seriously reduce or eliminate airline travel. Few climate scientists travel by air anymore. Mark and I thought we were doing all we could to limit our carbon footprint until we actually measured it. We were blown away by how much airline travel increases our carbon emissions, and so we seriously cut back. We've also learned that many climate-conscious people pay carbon offset fees for flights they must take, and they do this through online sources such as TerraPass. These modest fees offset the fuel used by funding low-cost clean energy alternatives in developing countries and you get to pick how your fee is used. We also have the power to act collectively. Faith communities have proven time and time again to be powerful game changers. The Multi-Faith Alliance of Climate Stewards of Frederick County, or MAX, includes more than 10 diverse faith communities. MAX has hosted public education events, planted trees, and is influencing local policymaking. Our congregations are forming green teams and finding ways to walk more lightly on the earth. On October 20th, Max is hosting a seminar at Hood College called Floods, Drought, and Justice, which will help you understand better what's to be expected in Frederick County. We'll showcase already what's happening to confront climate change and will help you find a niche for future action. You'll find a notice in today's uh, program of service and I hope to see you there. And bring your friends and family too. So yes, we have power. If we want a meaningful response to this crisis, we are all going to have to exercise 
that power every way we can, as much as we can, to paraphrase John Wesley. We have the power to walk on the earth more gently. We have the power to choose how to spend and invest our money. We have the power to form community, lift up our voices, and demand action from our local, state, and federal federal legislators. And finally, we have the power to vote. Yeah. In 2050, my daughter will be only 57 years old. The disruptions anticipated between now and then, especially if we do not act aggressively or quickly enough, she just doesn't deserve. Neither do your kids or your grandkids. So let's agree to no longer tolerate complacency in the face of this emergency. So please, as you leave this beloved community, resolve to do something. Lift up your voice. Walk more lightly on the earth and demand real commitment from our leaders to restore this precious planet for the sake of our children and theirs. Thank you.